0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Water, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of November, 2019. Last night, Saturday night, the temperature dropped down to about oh, minus 16 degrees or so Fahrenheit. That's about minus 25, 26 centigrade. It's been cold, really cold, days and nights here now. Uh, for the last week or two And uh, of course dumps of snow as well in between And it really does make you Consider all the nonsense that you're fed on a daily basis By those that manage our minds And the incredible lens they'll go to Which really would make you lose all faith in humanity With these liars uh, that come out And tell us what to be terrified of and why we should be terrified, and how you've got to give up all your rights to save us all, and 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 hand it over to the, these, these self-elected scientists, the new social scientists, of course, that manage the whole system on behalf of their masters. It really is. I mean, I, I can remember, for instance, basically the, the the tail end of the coming ice age. That was all the propaganda in the sixties. And that didn't work out. And then they the, the tried oh the ozone hole, you know, a hole in the ozone with your aerosol sprays and things, and and that fizzled off and died away as well. Uh, then they had acid rain as well, another big oh acid. All oh, the all the lakes were just dying; they were dead, sterile lakes. And they showed you all these documentaries, but showed you flat lakes, you know, just very mirror type lakes on a nice day. And they said they were dead. And if you were young, you'd believe that. Because why would adults lie to you? The saddest thing is they lie your whole life long. And even when you're getting rather old, you still listen to these supposed adults. And experts come out to terrify you on why you've got to give up all your rights. And this silly idea of having freedoms and things like that is an awful nuisance to those that want to manage you. It really is. Because they have to go delicately and hire big propaganda outfits and, and marketers to persuade you. You know, the art of persuasion uh, and and rephrase things in such a way uh, that you'll come round to their way of thinking by being terrified of, of disobeying them, basically. It, it never ends, doesn't it? And I, I, I've, I gave talks many years ago on how we're controlled and how we're raised, actually, to be controlled and we kept in a state of naivete by believing in a system. I mean, look, look at Al Gore. Al Gore was at 2010 or twelve or whatever, and he came out on his big push, and his, when he was doing his, his, his big round of the world to terrify us with his inconvenient truth that was more like an inconvenient lack of proof. Proof didn't matter. See, fear dispels any idea of thinking through things logically and getting evidence. It's not meant to do that. It's meant to make you terrified and, you know, just quiver, basically. And obey. That's a very big, disobey until you're told, and then you might get saved. But Gore said, he said, as I'm sitting here up here, in what should have been the northern Riviera of the northern hemisphere, and the land should be worth a fortune because of it, but it's not because it's still as frozen as ever and very short summers. And deep, deep snows like last year was incredible right into the, this year, actually, <laughs> early this year in the spring. Spring, I never had a spring, you know. The only spring I could do was springing up on top of the roof to shovel off the snow every day. But I can remember Al Gore saying that you know, the children will never see snow again. Back then, he said that. And he said, I'll never see that. And you'll be trying to explain to them what snow was. And, and they'll look at you, and they're all, all bewildered, trying to imagine what this strange substance would be that you were trying to explain to them used to exist. Aye, aye, aye. Well, I, I tell you, I could make a fortune just doing getting tours, you can bring them all up here and I'll show them first. Time. put a shovel in their hands and get them shoveling, and then they'll know what snow is. But it doesn't stop them. That's what you learn about the psychopathic cliques and so on There's no shame involved See, they can only get away with it Because most folk out there are decent people And these folk aren't They, 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 they pretend they're you like chameleons They come in and pretend they are you, in fact They even have little shows They can emulate people It's like an, it's like an alien movie, one of these alien movies Where they, they watch and study you That's what psychopaths do and, the, and they'll see you reacting to, to tragedy, for instance, or deaths in a family or deaths of pets. And, things. and they'll put on a show what, because they can watch people grieving. They'll put on a show of grieving. Uh, but they can give it away, too, that they really don't feel it by laughing. It's like Bill Clinton at one time laughed at a funeral. Telling, he was telling jokes at a funeral a few years back. And it was in the newspapers at the time. You see, things that are inappropriate to normal folk don't affect them because they don't have the same feelings. (laughs) They don't feel these things. It It just isn't there. So they always put on an act to convince the public. Sometimes they're awfully good, and they can be pretty successful psychopaths. You had the same kind of abnormal reaction with Hillary Clinton when she made her famous statement about the death of Gaddafi who literally was tortured with the bayonets being put up his rectum and uh, cut apart and disemboweled. And she said, where she wrote this herself, for it was written for her, but she said quite gleefully, very gleefully in fact, a lot of cackling and so on, that we came, we saw, and he died, ha, ha, And then she went into this strange cacophony of... Cackling. Dara was, was tremendously funny. Now you got to think about what we're talking about here. Everybody who saw that, what happened, were horrified anyway. And it doesn't matter which enemy you have. And don't forget that Gaddafi really was led up the garden path till to, to his extinction eventually. And everybody owed him money, even some people who ran for precedence over in Europe owed the money, Gaddafi helped them to you know, fund them getting in, and he basically uh, funneled. You've talked about real socialism, you know, the, the the kind that's supposed to be based on. So much money was fed back into the to the people uh, from the oil fields in Libya uh, that they had to import labour from outside countries, and the money was pumped back in. Everybody had free education. And everybody, everybody could go to university, all paid for their residences, everything was paid for them until when they were finished, up until they were finished and qualified. And young couples, all were guaranteed a place to live that would be theirs, of course, at the state. healthcare, the whole lot. And uh, they had no debt, you see. There's no debt in the country. They weren't, They weren't signed on to the World Bank and taking uh, loans out from the, the World Bank and the, And the various con groups that run the rest of the world And that couldn't be allowed to happen But getting back to how he died Even hardened troops This is the thing After the the facts of of being involved in battles and so on uh, The mature type They don't look back and laugh and laugh and laugh At this kind of thing Because dying is a somber business And so is killing, remember it's supposed to be that way if, if you start to enjoy it You've got a problem And folk who do enjoy it And, and laugh at it and, can see it and and think it's so hilariously funny Having people disemboweled To basically rule over you I think you should all be kind of worried I don't care what country you're in It's all the same thing Tony Blair was no different in, in Britain None at all He, he never saw a, a, a profitable war That he didn't like yeah, you know? and he was—he was like a one-man band to get Britain into it. But again, he was owned by foreign interests too. We were living in amazing times when this kind of thing's in your face, and I think part of the problem is the folk don't recognise what we're actually seeing and hearing because we've been so uh, swamped and drowned in entertainment and raised by it. And, and violence that, that's an, an entertainment that definitely doesn't compute with people. It really doesn't. At one time, the show that was put on for the public by politicians uh, had to be the show of respectability. That, that was what they had to portray and project to the public. Respectable. And respectable people had to have a, an aura that was projected. it was real or not didn't matter as long as it projected to the public of a certain level of standards in different areas that they they couldn't go over a a certain line. If they did, they'd suffer and they'd often step down through embarrassment and shame because the party was an important thing at one time. And don't forget the whole point of of ruling the public uh, is to keep them believing that they're free. So the you, you, if you see the scams that go on, you, you can't believe it anymore, that, that you actually have rights and so on. Especially since 9-11, we've lost them all across, pretty well across the world. Uh, rather amazing that a couple of terrorists get supposedly hit by terrorists, and it's still debatable who did it. But the whole world has to lose its rights and freedoms because of it. It's just astonishing how folk fall for this kind of thing and allow, allow it to happen, again in a time of a of managed crisis. And I remember at the time when it happened, I think it was was Alan Hart, it was one of the CFR members, made a statement, he says, we can't let this crisis go to waste, you see. We can use it for our plan. What plan is this? What's the plan that you're not in on? <laughs> And it's a plan for the global structured system, the global management system. That was always the plan of the CFR and their parent group, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And we're really pretty well there, you know, for the folk who haven't figured it out. But getting back to the psychopaths, uh, it's astonishing how today, nothing's shameful, apparently. And as I say, Hillary uh, expected you to applaud her. When she came out with her little clever little quip, you see, very clever, she thought, I guess. I don't know if folk laughed hysterically because they were terrified that they actually heard a person laughing at it. In the first place, it was a leader, or it was was a shock, a laugh, or what. But the fact is, we saw it, and there's no stepping down or saying there's something wrong here, or this is not the impression to give up the public that you want to preside over. It's all been washed uh, or, you know, away and it's, or it's brushed under the carpet as though it never happened but it did happen and killing people is not something you laugh at uh, even if that is your profession in the military if you just make, make a big standing joke of it all, you have a problem and you've got to be watched or, and kicked out probably because it's a dangerous dangerous thing to do I don't know how many people question or think about the continuity Of logic and it must be consistent logic and reason and you come up with your philosophy of progressiveness and progressive political and social agendas the progressives are against capital punishment and yet Hillary's out there gleefully announcing expecting applause which she got from a lot of people of the literally the hunting down of Gaddafi by paid mercenaries from this, paid by the US and, and the West, to be disemboweled in front of cameras. And she thought it was so funny, we should all be, be rejoicing about. It. Where's the continuity of logic or even a trial for, this, for that matter? Never mind the behavior displayed to the world of the supposed conqueror. It's very similar to President Bush when he. He said that, after the facts, of course, that they killed Saddam Hussein, because not because he was involved in any terrorist act against the U.S., but because he was simply a bad man, and the world was better off without him. I think about this, folks, because if that's what you're worshipping, when they turn their sights on you and society, because that's the whole war of terror, not on terror, but war of terror, uh, that's good enough to get rid of all of you, too, if you if you become a nuisance, or you think you've got rights, or you want to speak about something which is unpopular by the ruling establishment of of the period. But that's the system which we're, we're born into. As I say, since nine eleven, 11 nothing was to be the same ever again, remember? And that was a kick-off, that was a real kick-off for the 21st century, the century of transition for change, you see as they called it in academia, and, uh, and you'd read this all, all, all over the place, in different academic papers and professors would spout this, but they would never really explain it in, in much detail if they belonged to the CFR. It, it's, the, it's the century for so much to be accomplished that even Maggie Thatcher hinted at too when she left politics and, and admitted she now belonged to a higher group of technocrats. This is the this is the Royal Institute for International Affairs. It's got different names, Trilateral Commission and so on. And they work behind the scenes. She said that we work behind the scenes. We're not responsible to the public anymore. We all know each other because we've, we've met each other, different prime ministers or presidents or top bureaucrats in different countries. And we can just plan and get things done without answering to the public. And that's called more efficient management, you see and that's it's to me it's an old old story to some folk they've never heard or they've never really understood it but it goes on and on and on most folks still want to believe and and most folk can't break free of the drama that's portrayed to get you to believe in this this soap opera drama that politics is really real at this day and age it definitely is not it's you're you're definitely ruled but the the system that ruled you Generally, doesn't come straight out and and display itself to the public. Quigley, again, Carl Quigley, and I've I've talked about him before, and you get his books secondhand all over the place. There's different people publishing them because the copyrights was way out, uh, and and then even from the 60s, I think. And they publish his books. Tragedy and Hope was a good book, certainly. And it's just a little bits here and there. As I always say, knowledge is scattered, deliberately so. If you put everything in a, a two or three chapters in concise format, one follows on, one progress falls on to the next. It never loses track, doesn't go all over the map and just works you through it. If you had all that, it'd be very easy to understand what was going on. But knowledge is truly scattered deliberately, And definitely when it comes to facts, you can give dates and times, but not all the facts, and the facts are vital. The omission of a sentence can sometimes sway you to believe the opposite of what really happened, or the reasons why things really happened, and so on. Facts are incredibly important, that's why they're hidden from the public as much as possible. There are real archives. I've mentioned that before, too. And certain professors have mentioned that at a certain level of showing their servitude to a system that that they really serve, from a much higher system than the public know about. They're allowed into real archives, real archives, treasure troves of history. Quigley himself talked about it in his book, Tragedy and Hope. He said the reason he came out with the book, uh, telling you that you're, you're basically ruled and the future's always planned way in advance by groups and think tanks way above you. You don't elect them. But he, he said they came out with it because the CFR is an example of part of the group. <laughs> the CFR side of it. He said uh, its importance in history was, was so ast- you know, astounding. that deserved to be known and because it had really changed history in so many different areas that the public are, are deliberately kept oblivious of. And he said he thought it was time that the public should know about it. He was all for it and admitted that he was all for it. He was an elitist himself, and he had no time for the common people either. Elitism is vital. In fact, if you're an elitist, you've got a chance of being asked to join the CFR. You can't ask to join yourself. They ask you if you want to join after they've vetted you, and you won't even know you've been vetted. It is a part of the establishment, as a love to joke amongst themselves. But, as I say, they, they give you these, these circus freaks almost. I sometimes think of politicians as circus freaks. When you see the antics they get up to at election time, and I'm talking about all countries, by the way, and even when they go and do dances at, at sort of native ceremonies in different countries, they, they overdo the dancing. They, they think in a psychopathic way, that if they emulate what they, they, they think they ex- you're expecting them to do, they, they, they really go to town with it, and they'll overdo it at times. Sometimes when they're showing empathy, they'll overdo that too, because they don't really feel it. Again, it's all done by observation of others. So you can always spot the little telltale signs. And I remember, too, uh, that when Bill Clinton was an office, even when he was a governor, uh, many women especially came, came forward afterwards and said that when they were in to give them complaints about something or problems in their areas or the, the constituency in which they lived and so on, uh, that it was like the man had them mesmerized. They could they, they praise this guy, that the, he, he they felt that that they were the only person in a room And he was totally fixed upon them And their problems But the, the point of it is that, that that was a great ability that they, they're, they're fantastic manipulators, psychopaths So much so that people will like them so much often In politics especially But also in, in big corporations too And they'll, they'll, they'll work for nothing for them at times And do all the work for them It's an ability they have But these women often said that they felt that they were the, he literally was completely like 100% fixed on them and their problem. And they, they would come away thinking, he's going to work on that and, and do it. And, and He's obviously a great guy. But as soon as they're out the room, in reality, it's he's forgotten about them. They, they, don't, they don't sit and worry over what you're worrying about. That's not what psychopaths do. And they all have these, these traits of psychopathy. I think, personally... That, and it isn't just in the, the higher power structures that you're used to. You get a lot of it, too, even in medicine. People who strive to get up and up and up in science or medicine, you can find a lot of psychopaths here. I mean, who do you think works on bacterial and viral warfare programs and biological warfare? Who do you think these people are? same kind of thing. They can go home to their families and do their gardening in the evening and, and to kiss their children and go through all these motions But they, they, they get paid to find ways of killing vast swaths of the population Or at least disabling them And all the top countries have them, for goodness sake But we go, but, <laughs> we, we go through the world Really, if you see how bad the world does And this is the thing, truth isn't for everybody A lot of folk really can't handle the truth They can't, and I can't blame them because if you're a decent person with, with, with good values and so on to understand how the world really is run, it, it could make you crash, of course it could. And that's why you have great pretense through media, entertainment and so on to, to give you the fake reality of everything's just wonderful and sit back and allow professionals to guide you. And I've watched I've watched this kind of thing going on for a long time. That it, to me, it's a horror show. Let the professionals guide you. I've watched health systems across the world at the same time uh, stop treating people at a certain age and start offering them euthanasia. Let the professionals help you. And they could make everything so pleasant with advertising. Anything at all could be, oh, that's nice. Look at how caring they were for the last minutes of that old person, you know. with that old person might have uh, 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 could have had, and not so much old, too. They're doing it younger folk now, too, because it always expands, you see. But the the, the thing, because we're all animals. That's how we're viewed at the bottom. And the bottom, really, is is right up to the middle classes now. The middle classes are, are attitudes as opposed to having finances nowadays. Remember the old communist manifesto and so on? Look at it. Destruction of the family unit. Well, that was completely accomplished. Why was that? Well, the family unit was the most vital thing uh, that, that holds people together in small bands and then extended bands and then into cultural bands in your nations and so on. And for an opposing force or even interlopers to come in and try and destroy you, they've got, they've got to do the, the first thing is destroy your culture. And by destroying your culture, you can help destroy that which makes people bond together in matrimony and have children, as an example. Very important. Never forget that. The people who who came out with the birth control pill, right, didn't come out because they wanted to see you happy. And by the way, as they go on about, oh, you've got to really reduce population, and as, as they're openly telling you now, and I've been giving you stuff for many years, On the big boys' plans for depopulation But now they're open about it Like last week I mentioned that too And uh, there's nothing to guess about here And all their phony fronts that they use Because they always use fronts for what they want Just like communism Because communist techniques are used Getting back to Quigley Carol Quigley said We're often mistaken Meaning the CFR uh, For for global management of system Basically they're into He said we're often mistaken for communists Because our aims are so similar and what are their aims? A, a scientifically controlled society, an ordered society, managed by professionals. Which means you can't have this idea of freedoms. It's an awful nuisance to tyrants. They hate that. How can they rule over you efficiently? If you say, oh, no, I'm not going to go along with this. No, I don't want that. I don't want it, it, it just can't get, it's an awful, awful nuisance, this freedom thing, you see. So again, the Communist Manifesto, uh, all the plans have been pretty well accomplished, rather good, well well, and swiftly and, and, and efficiently. And as I say, w- with the depopulation agenda, and they kept prattling on, you can go into Kissinger's writings about it, and he, he put forward a bill to it, Uh, saying that overpopulation was, was, and he meant, supposedly at the time, supposedly, I don't really think it's true, he's talking about third world countries that were really exploding in population. Why would they dump all the pills in that? Uh, Right away, in places like Britain and parts of Europe too, countries in Europe, because they brought in a healthcare system. eh? Well, if your population was declining, which it was, why would they want to do you in first? <laughs> Think about it. Think about that. They weren't. And these pillars are so cheap, even years ago to make. They could have put them across the third world if they wanted to. But you, what you're seeing, when things don't mesh properly, and logic fails, you come up against a brick wall when you're following a detective sleuthing route, basically. You have to stop and say, well, we have to reevaluate what it's about because it's rather open what's happening now. There's a whole war across the whole of Europe and the West. Complete war against all that was. Complete war. And th- this is a clue that you're going you, to you tune into eventually. You can't deny it. There's other forces at work here. To make these things happen, and somebody is definitely at war with you. Of course, most folk don't notice it and didn't notice it before. They thought, "Wow, this is amazing! All 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 these young girls now, because you're a young fella too, they're all on the pill." Wow, somebody wants to make us happy. Do you really think that that all this money of your tax money was getting used just to make you all happy? Of course, it wasn't. And anything that slipped through, the state would take care of it, and claim they would take care of even socially transmittable diseases. And even then, they tried to downplay the prevalence and the terrible destructiveness of the diseases, too, which still go on today. And not all of them could be cleared up, believe you me. And they know that, too. But it was a great way to destroy family units, because folk were wouldn't bond. Even, I think it was even Julian Huxley who helped with Planned Parenthood in the beginning, and UNESCO, of course, to train a a whole generation across the world in a common culture, a new culture, again, designed by the scientists. Like Bertrand Russell said, he said, we used to think we'd have to take children from their parents and train them by the state. To, to change society, but now we can, we can do it, you said, with scientific means at school, even if the children only have four or five uh, hours a day in school, he said when they go home their parents will be unable to change what we're indoctrinating them with you know, with a scientific indoctrination method and the state eventually will, will give them all their values. well the, the parents' only function will be to, to supply their economic needs children's needs. So it's all planned that way. And when you see it happen that way, (laughs) these people were not, as I say, giving out uh, some fantasy wish lists of what they'd like to do. They were doing it all. I can remember too, Al Gore again, who came out, I think in the 90s, prattling on about the internet. And he gave himself some amazing accolades of initially, I think there was even rumors that he he, he thought eventually he he, he invented it. But you no, know, he gave talks about how it was going it was intended and it would change the whole culture and the whole methodology of social interaction and management of the public and the population worldwide there was nothing surprising but and you'll find that the whole the whole step by step giving you the internet where everything initially was almost free pretty well. And the conjugate believed that you had a person. It was your PC, your personal computer. It was your personal thing, and and you had you had you had control of all the privacy things, isn't it? Anonymity and so, all lies from the beginning. Don't forget that DARPA, when they talk about ARPA, but that DARPA really managed the whole internet system. It was invented for them during the Cold War, long, long ago, long before they gave it to the public. And uh, even though they showed you personal computers of the kind you got in the 90s, back in the 60s, in some Japanese documentaries of futuristic homes. And American ones too, by the way. Docu- documentaries. So it's dished out piecemeal. And you're meant to think they're just evolving, getting better. No, they had. they had. Most of the things, you've got high-speed internet. Now, we're all used back in the 70s and 80s by the professional security services and so on and international uh, communication systems within NAC and all the rest of them. So, uh, but the whole plan was to bring it out and get everybody onto it, thinking it was personal, thinking it was private, and once you're all hooked on it, they would break down to the how many years they'd give it to you for for free, you see. Once you're hooked on it, and I'm, I gave talks about this many years ago. In the late 90s, in fact Because I knew what the agenda was And once you're hooked on it They would start to take your rights away at a certain year and Or, or make you pay for certain things You see Then they'd know by that time You're getting spied on and all the rest of it But uh, you, you would be so hooked on it you say, oh well, you know, oh well Everybody's doing it Everybody's got them, everybody's using them Why not? Oh well, you know And that's exactly how it's worked They wouldn't give it up you realise if if they if they started off like this, oh, you are all getting spied on. You've, you've all got incredible profiles built up uh, on you, and and they build it on a daily basis with your own input of your use. You say, "Oh, boy, I don't want that poison thing in my house." Well, but no, give you years to get to, try, to get used to it, get hooked on it, and they made sure that everybody knew there's lots of pornography. That's all you heard in the nineties oh, there's lots of porn on it into the early 2000s, and, and um, to make sure that everybody knew it, especially the youngsters. Librarians would tell you that when the children would flood into the libraries at uh, break lunch breaks and so on, and go right to the computers that, that uh, the libraries had to put the filters and so on, early filter types on them, and really observe them to make sure they weren't using it for that. But it was intended to do all this. It was planned this way. There's not a thing on the planet, there's not a site on the planet that can't close down instantly. With a stroke of a button, pretty well. Uh, but yeah, this could never just find these people who were putting out the pornography. Absolute rubbish. They knew where it was all coming from. Absolutely. So, get the folk hooked on it, get the monitoring on it, and then eventually train you. You get trained by the, the nudge groups, the behavioral insights teams, and so on that are working uh, to nudge you. No, don't look at that, and, and don't try to find information on this or that or whatever. They're not nice topics. You shouldn't be looking at these these topics or for news. Here's what you should be looking at, you see. And eventually, you get a little afraid. They're meant to scare you here and there. And you get more and more stories. It's a crackdown on people until you. You start self-censoring yourself, self-policing yourself, as again called it, and, which is self-censorship. And that's what's happening now. But most people will stay on it because now that they're used to it, they, they can't spend five minutes without staring at a screen either in their hand or right in front of them on, on the computer screen or the TV screen. And uh, it's sad but true. that's what's, So scientific management is, is done primarily now through, through that glowing screen now, it really is, and, and people have no idea how, how effective it is, really, because you don't know the is behind it all, even when you're looking at all the, you know, oh my goodness, high definition, high, high, high definition, until, you know, and, it's, and again it's supra, supra perfect, like perfect vision, and human vision, you have perfect vision, if, you, if you're healthy, but here you have high definition where the objects closest to you in, in any scene uh, and because of the camera types they're using now in the, in the pixels and so on to the, to the things most distant are all perfectly crystal clear which of course your eyes don't see that way. It's not a normal way to just look at things, it's abnormal. But because it seems more perfectly super normal then People will think that they prefer that. They get to start to prefer it rather than their actual real sight and vision, you see. To me, that's an interesting thing, just to see that in itself and to watch the reactions. Thing. At one time, when the old TV sets, the old tube sets were on the go, lots of people, especially the Christian groups and so on, that still had some concern for family values and all that, watched the children with their mouths open as they'd sit their little toddlers. ...who were placed in front of TV screens for the baby... ...they called it the babysitter, it was a TV... ...and, uh, and, and folks didn't realise even that was given them... ...through cartoons, giving them their new values... ...these little children's shows by the state... ...now it's, it's open, they admit it now... ...but they, they would sit there transfixed ...with their, with their jaws slack, just, just open mouth... And it was ...glazed, just staring at the screen... ...because they're designed for their... For their, their ...actually age psychology... And for, for the for the brainwaves that they'd have at that age, we we don't realize your your brainwaves actually change according to what you see, what you and your age and all the rest of it. It can all vary. Well, was, this is all designed to hit the children, and we saw the stuff again with the early video games, when Japanese children it was in the papers started having seizures and so on because they were testing certain things out on the screen for games, and the military was behind it at one point studying this kind of thing, realize they can put you into seizures. Think about that. Well, it isn't just that. The Pentagon came out with a whole bunch of stuff talking about what you don't necessarily realize is going on at times, if they're using it against you, like targeting you. Because they said in a declassified Pentagon uh, paper that they could target people quite easily, naturally. That's that's no one's amazed by that that they can be done, but they said they can actually they could actually possibly they, they would well they, they said they could at the time, <laughs> give people heart attacks if they target if they wanted to. By certain pixel groupings and rates and flashing little colours, you, your your conscious mind wouldn't be so so aware of it, but it could literally affect through, using the eye as a way in to the brain patterns in a way to then to affect the, the different impulses to the heart from the brain and so on. So think about that, a weaponized system. So, so which would be, who's guarded against that? You, you can't get special glasses to stop it as far as I know. But you know, who would even think of it? We're living in a, in a world, as I say, of incredible violence. And the worst violence is, is done by governments. If not upon their own people, by peoples in other countries. That's the the reality of it. We've got to understand this. We've got to understand what's going on. They play up all these mass shootings and so on. And they play up the knifings with terrorism and all the rest of which, which of course they should talk about, absolutely. But when you think about the the people, their own governments are complicit in slaughtering across the world. You should be awfully concerned about the real system that these governments serve because the system that they serve is alien to what you think it is. That's why so much of what governments do with invading different countries and getting fallout and blowback and even mass migration from bombed out countries. It's not benefiting the people who are financing all which is the taxpayers. And you have to just see what is this alien? I mean, alien meaning a strange, foreign thing. What is it? This system? Because it's not what you think. It's not nice little people or people who worked their way up through university and and done good citizenry uh, uh, and got you know and got good awards for and working in politics. Because they just want to help people. They're altruistic and become politicians. No, come on, come on, come on. What is it they serve? One thing is for sure, as I say, uh, they all understand the ropes of getting up the ladder awfully effective to getting up the ladder. And they know exactly how to, to please their masters and what the masters want at that particular time. Right now, we're so politically correct, that we're banned from saying so much or even looking at anything uh, on certain things now. Uh, they're quite open about it. They're watching us like crazy. All of us. All of us are getting monitored like you wouldn't believe. Every, even the most, most um, honest, decent citizen... It's got incredible profiles on them In case one day they might run amok, you know And just before, here I am 40 40 minutes has already passed away here It's just incredible But I'll try and get an article here Because I did save one or two articles here On this kind of thing Now what I'm getting at is that Everything is planned You know there are thousands of think tanks Across the planet all working together On different specialised areas of managing us, and managing the future, and where they want to take you from 50 years or a hundred years, and what kind of society they—they—they they, they have symposiums for their own members and so, where they show them virtual worlds of the future that they want to have, basically here, <laughs> and different sections and, and and systems and and how they'll manage the public, how they'll get the public to where they're going to be, etc. the more efficiently controlled society, birth to death, etc. Exactly what the socialists talked about, too. That's what Quigley meant. You know, they were so often mistaken for the communists but because their goals were so similar. Well, they're pretty well identical for the elite. Want a managed, predictable society. It's a nuisance having folk just going off the track and, and deciding they want to go and live in the country or something. That's an awful nuisance, especially when Agenda 21 doesn't want them there. So here's an article here As one example And years ago I talked about this I talked about the coming system Where even before they gave you the movie Which was Minority Report Because I'd read the articles from Britain And the mental health institutions Working with the British governments And, and all the rest of it Talking about a, a world Where they're going to have, they wouldn't be tolerating Problems anymore. Anything, even domestic disturbances were going to be given the top priority, where even helicopters come when it's domestic, occasionally in Britain, in some places. The over, overreaction, maybe 10 cars and all the rest of it for a family dispute. And that's how they train you through forms of terror, really. Then they publicise it so well to make sure you will get the message to be very, very afraid and obey, 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 that's always the message too. But they talked about, years ago, they talked about how everybody could be surveyed. And they wanted a system, after World War Two, where everybody was was tested by psychologists every year, and psychiatrists for mental problems and rectified. Well, they've got that with GERFIC programs and things like that, different names for different parts of Britain. But it's all the same thing. A state-sponsored representative basically would come and visit the child growing up and quiz them on certain things to make sure that they don't have any strange ideas of own think where they can actually figure things out for themselves. That can be dangerous. It doesn't lead to peace for systems if you know what's really going on. So you'd have to be rectified and, and be made, trained, and to be an ideal citizen. That's what they meant by it. train you, train you, train ideal, which is a someone who's very naive, very pleasant, and will be a good producer and consumer, like the UN said. And that way you're not a burden on society. They can get all the tax money off you because um, you're working. But if you start to get if you get sick or something, well, you're not a good citizen anymore, or really, if, it's, if it if it costs a bit of money to help you out and keep you alive, well, they're going to offer you something else—a quick ending, perhaps. And while kidding you, this is where, this was planned years and years and years ago, step by step by step. It's always a stepping stone to where they want to get you because you adapt in increments, you see. And that's how it's presented too, incrementally Through dramas and fictions and all that right. Yeah, I was, I was, that poor old guy in that movie is, you, you just, you know They helped him out at the, I'm sure he was happy That's how it goes And they call us, as animal management Herd management, much like herd immunity For vaccination against whatever But the idea of pre-crime there's an old one As I say at the end of World War Two. A top psychiatrist Came out with Demanding the right pretty well Of being given Being given the right To analyse everybody In the countries Including politicians That's that not a bad idea there But again everything can be abused right Because nature of, of humans is, uh, is rather precarious This whole idea of sanity Decency and all the rest of it can hide uh, vast, vast pits of depravity in some people. So, here's an article here about getting into this whole idea of rights getting taken away. And how would just accept it because he would keep quiet about it. We wait for someone someone else, or oh, they wouldn't do that. Some, somebody would stop them, somebody would do something about that. Well, who's the somebody you're always talking about? that 's a problem, most folk expect others to do things for them and to safeguard their rights and so on and to do the speaking for them too it 's just it 's a sad thing isn 't it? How easily you can give everything up and i 've given i 've done talks on that that very subject too, but anyway, a recent memorandum authored by Attorney General William Barr announced a new pre crime program inspired by War on Terror Tactics and is set to be implemented next year. And Wednesday, the U.S. Attorney General William Burr issued a memorandum to all U.S. attorneys, and it links for these things, to law enforcement agencies and top-ranking Justice Department officials announcing the imminent implementation of a new national dis- disruption and early engagement program aimed at detecting potential mass shooters before they commit any crime. Now, that's how it starts, remember. But don't forget, anybody who's showing it, This is a huge... I'll, I'll read some of it here. Per the memorandum, Barr has directed the Department of Justice and the FBI to lead an effort to refine our ability to identify, assess, and engage potential mass shooters before the strike. Now, they've had these things on the go for years, quietly. And if you, if you really think it's, it, it, that everything's on above board, well, nothing's been made legal until now, you see. Hmm? And even then, it's iffy, isn't it? It's not really right, all right through yet, but they will get through because that is the agenda worldwide. The Attorney General further describes the coming initiative slated to be implemented early next year as an efficient, effective, and again, you said efficiency again, efficiency, an effective and programmatic strategy to disrupt individuals who are mobilizing towards violence and to, to watch them by all lawful means, Right. Now, that's a, a very wide term, as always, mobilizing towards violence. More specific information about the program is set to follow in recent memorandum, according to those unclear if that forthcoming document will be made public. Well, there's a freedom for you. Yeah? You're going to keep it secret. Because, you see, it's not just about people mobilizing towards violence. You understand they can go into your your your, your speech, is it your speech Is that coming to you? are saying nasty things, or you seem to be, be a bit angry about this, or angry about that, blah, blah 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 blah. That's all it takes, folks. Or you have contrary opinions on things, and you're you're in this age now of being pretty well coerced into all saying the same things, and and at least at the very at least pretending to think the same things at the moment, and you wait and see. Barr also requested that those who receive the memorandum send their best and brightest to a training conference at FBI headquarters this coming December, where DOG, FBI, and here you are, private sector partners, be the same groups that always end up dictating who their targets will be, will prepare for full implementation of the new policy and also be able to provide new ideas for inclusion in the program. Perhaps the most jarring aspect of the memorandum is Barr's frank admission that many of the early engagement tactics that the new program would utilize were born of the posture we adopted with respect to terrorist threats. In other words, the foundation for many of the policies utilized following the post-9-11 war on terror are also the foundations for the early engagement tactics that Barr seeks to use to identify potential criminals. See you. That's not just uh, threats, that's criminals. So if you're a potential criminal, that's pre-crime minority report, As part of the new policy. Those war on terror policies have largely targeted individuals abroad. Barr's memorandum makes it clear that some of those same controversial tactics will soon be used domestically. Not some folks, there's going to be all of them. And... The memorandum also alludes to current practices by the FBI and DOJ that will shape the new plan. The more specifics of the new policy will be provided in the forthcoming notice. Notes that the newly developed tactics used by the Joint Terrorist Task Forces include the use of clinical psychologists, threat assessment professionals, intervention teams and community groups to detect risk and suggest that the new area engagement program will work along similar lines. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty well there, you know. And nothing surprises me, uh, because this 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 was designed to come, I'm sure, before even 9-11 happened. Step by step by step, they, they, they talk about bringing us to this stage. And many of the disclosures from the past, and here you are. And this goes on, this is only, it's quite a lengthy article, but they talk about, they call it the pre-crime dragnet takes shape and so on. More recently, and UK Home Secretary uh, Priti Patel and Britain signed a, a data access agreement on October 3rd that allows both countries to demand electronic data on consumers from tech companies based on other country without legal restrictions. Do you hear what I'm saying here? This is, this is Canada, the US, Britain, and the Five Eyes, and so on, and other countries that are not supposed to be involved monitoring, but they are. Uh, there you go it 's a joint, so they they can literally get all the data on all of us, everybody, without having to to have any really reason to do it and and for foreign nationals and so on in their own countries so it's the first executive agreement reached as part of the controversial clarifying overseas use of data act isn 't that amazing? they love that hey? or Cloud Act passed by the u s Congress last year. The act has come under fire from rights groups who have warned that the legislation gives unlimited jurisdiction to U.S. law enforcement over any data controlled by a service provider, regardless of where the data is stored and who created it, and that this also applies to content, metadata, and subscriber information, including private messages. So here you go. You've made no crime. Uh, but here you go, this is, a, this is, this is your, you understand, that I gave talks about this when nine eleven happened, when when Bush, the president at the time, uh, talked to, I uh, gave a talk called The, the New Freedom. And I said, do you understand what he's talking about, The New Freedom? It's redefining your freedoms, what freedom means for you. So it's, it's basically restricted freedoms in many ways, and they'll gradually take more and more away from you. To, to save you all. The same idea as to save the planet, we're going to take all your rights and years away. They always use the same thing, you see. It's to save you all. Mm-hmm. And all those people, it I won't matter to most folk, they, you, 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 they, they always say, well, they won't be watching me. They're watching everybody, folks. And don't, don't, don't think that today's climate, I'm talking about the climate, or politics, or social unrest, or whatever it happens to be, or, or even social pacification, mm-hmm. Will be the same uh, if they have big crashes in the future, and 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 which they will, as part of moving it onto the next global part of the system. But they also, uh, but you won't like what's going to happen step by step by step. You won't. Right now, it's not hit you, but when the things do, you might be annoyed about things, and then then they will see, oh, this person's really ticked off here, blah blah blah. You understand where this is going to go? There's no pretense anymore that public servants are there to serve the public. They serve all right, but it's not you. There's a higher group above them that you don't elect. And I love the way they put things over through their, through their PR groups, say, eh, that they give you to. So everything's through public relations, propaganda groups. Yet Bar and Patel claim that the data access agreement will instead enhance civil liberties. See? And further asserted that agreement would be used To go after pedophiles They always use the same excuse Pedophiles and organized crime Can you believe that? Have you you looked at what they're they're given the jobs for pedophiles now, folks? They always give the same excuses it says, even though both Barr and the UK equivalent have shown minimal interest in pursuing the co-conspirators of child sex trafficker and paedophile Jeffrey Epstein, whose sex trafficking network has been linked to both organized crime and the intelligence agencies of both the US and Israel, it says here. Some have charged that the lack of interest in the part of William Barr is due to the fact that Barr's father once hired the now deceased paedophile. Huh, there you go. So... An and, and interesting tie-in, too, is notably Jeffrey Epstein also had an apparent interest in pre-crime technologies and was a key funder of the controversial technology company Carbine Nine Eleven. So this is from Mint Press. It's astonishing. It's a good article, though. As pre-crime comes in and you're all getting trained and you all have to answer for every word that you've uttered, uh, either in your sleep or... Uh, when you're conscious or angry or sad or whatever it happened to be, you'll have to answer for it. And by the way, this reminds me so much of the Stasi system in East Germany in the, in the communist era, where they had millions of citizenry. They turned them and used them as to spy on other citizens that they'd be co-working with and all the rest of it. Because you see, if they, had any, if they could find anything and they could always find something on people to blackmail them with That was how they used it Well guess what hmm. Here you have a perfect way To get lots of people To turn on other people etc etc When they lean on you Because they'll know some dirty little secret You say That you wouldn't want Somebody else close to you to know perhaps Anyway that's by Whitney Webb so I'll put that up Everything's so predictable It doesn't shock me because it had to go this way It was meant to go this way Also, I want to touch on the Fed's launch probe into Project Nightingale, which secretly gave Google access to Americans' medical data. The whole Google idea and this cloud idea where a seamless networking of computer systems across the planet is to manage the whole world's population and manage every aspect of your living. So I'll put that one up too And this one too Will Google get away with Grabbing 50 million Americans Health records Well, sure they are Because you see There's a bigger a project On the way here And the project Is, is to manage us all And again They're unanswerable Because your governments uh, won't tackle them on it Because they don't. there's a bigger government Above you As I said, you don't elect That manages all this And I'll put Project Nightingale Up too it's uh, it was a data sharing project financed by Google and Ascension A Catholic healthcare system, can't believe they fell for it Comprising a chain of 2,600 hospitals, doctors, offices and other related facilities in 21 states With tens of millions of patient records available for processing healthcare data Now when that really gets going folks and with this new pre-crime idea You're going to have all studies on everybody in, in this healthcare too, as they study you, because they'll have your mental, they'll have you're going to get analysed and given gradings for your mental health too. I guarantee that's what's going to happen. And then another one to Apple, heart and print the conversation and data privacy continues. And National Health Service too in Britain, they they made a pact quite a few years back. With Google and uh, the National Health Service illegally handed Google the data of more than one and a half million people, well, the UK's watchdog has found. It says, and even then, it's such a whitewashed uh, article. I mean, it, it really whitewashes it. Nothing really is done about it. No one pays the price of meddling or stealing or anything. But anyway, uh, this, this is your. We you end up with the National Health Service. Uh, they don't serve the public. They eventually, they serve. Uh, Other powerful interest groups That's what they end up doing Because it's a a very different purpose than what you think You should look up to Google Health Personal Health Information Centralization Service Sometimes known as Personal Health Record Services by Google Introduced in 2008 Well they discontinued that part of it in 2011 But they went on to the next part that I just mentioned You see, it's this on the go Another article I want to touch on too as OIR, as Operation Inherent Resolve, which is the codename they use behind which the global coalition to defeat ISIS cloaks its military activities. This is CJTF-OIR, as the Combined Joint Task Force for Operation Inherent Resolve. This if, as the press spokesman the spokesman's statement, the forces being redeployed to Syria's oil-producing areas are Inherent Resolve forces. This is about. Taking their share as well, keeping it. It follows that those troops are doing so in the, in the name and under the ages of the coalition. Simple, but yes, awkward for the British government to admit. Awkward for practical, political, and legal reasons. In practice, if this is a joint task force operation, as we're told by the U.S. spokesman, it would be the next. It would be next impossible for deployment in, in Dire S. Zor province to be taking place without some input from the senior UK officers embedded with the US military in the Coalition Joint Task Force headquarters, the deputy commander is a British general, and active carrying out Operation Inherent Resolve. Well, the article really goes through the fact that that they're just stealing Syria's oil. (laughs) I mean, of course they are. And they were using uh, other front groups to steal it before now. But now they're they're going to build bases, you know, a couple of bases, I think, around the area for the U.S. Using the troops that they brought in from Iraq, from their bases in Iraq. They've got quite a few there too. And they'll keep uh, taking the oil instead of giving it back to Syria as part of it. Uh, they, they, they own it. The Syrians own it, you know. But like everybody else that owns things these days, you always think you do. And you find out eventually you don't if somebody else wants it. The big powerful beings indeed, also this article here is may be important i 'll try and fit it in. Barack Obama came out to tell the Democratic revolutionary party pretty well to cool it a little bit, just just play it down a little bit because it 's rather obvious to the public this is a one they want a one party system which we used to call communism, but again, in reality. It's a socialistic-type system that the experts really want to manage it all efficiently, like the CFR and so on. The globalists, as they called them. And it's not conspiracy theory. I mean, you look up, again, Quigley's book, and he tells you what uh, the CFR was meant to do. And he goes into the history of his mentor, which is uh, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And before that, the Lord Alfred Milner group that ran the, literally ran the British Empire. And they wanted a world empire. They never gave it up. And every generation recruit more people. As old ones retire and die off. And they work their agenda forward. That's the beauty of massive foundations. That are really unelected. They can get their jobs done eventually. Anyway, as his Mr. For, for President Barack Obama issued a warning to Democratic presidential candidates. Cautioning them against policies that are not rooted in reality. He says, Hmm. And he says the actual headline is Obama is just warning to revolutionary Democrats because there's a revolution. If you haven't noticed, this is a revolution going on, and they won't tolerate any opposition. And I mean, like in the true communistic fashion, they won't tolerate any opposition, which means that no other parties before them. They are the gods, you see. And he says the Democrats risk alienating voters if they lurch too far to the left politically what 's too far? The former president speaking at a fundraising event said most voters didn't want to tear down the system well it, it, it would seem to me that they really do in fact, a lot of them have said it publicly anyway, they give you the front runner as not well for this election, the coming election or rest of it. he says. He urged the Democrats to pay some attention to voters on issues such as health care and immigration. So that made him think that's what it's all about and kind of lessen that the idea that it's a revolution. Because it is revolution. That's what the Democratic Party is, folks, if you haven't figured it out. <laughs> it's revolution. So these voters, Mr. Obama said, did not necessarily have the same views as what he called certain left-leaning Twitter feeds or the activist wing of our party. The comments, which came less than four months before the Democratic primaries, were one of Mr. Obama's most pointed interventions in the race so far. So yeah, it's you're you're hearing all the statements from radical uh, communists, really, for a complete overhaul. Well, actually, a complete ob- obliteration of the old system is what they're calling for. At least that's what I've heard in their speeches. Another article too just just for us I know fears. I mentioned before about Australia and a lot of the fires there sound kind of suspicious like California, they're saying the same thing, it seems that when you have a whole bunch of fires starting all over an area, a massive area at the same time, then it's generally coordinated to something else going on here, but anyway, Australian bushfires, this is the BBC, why do people start fires during, during fires, so here you go, you know. It just seems to be a thing that people do now, you see. is, is What they're doing is, is saying something uh, and covering something at the same time, obviously. Uh, because I think there's more coordination than just individual spontaneous arsonists. How many fires are starting deliberately? And they give you different studies, recent studies done between 52,000 and 54,000 bushfires in Australia every year. And they give some Dr. Paul Reid, co Director of Australia's National Centre for Research in Bushfires and Arson, puts the figure higher at 62,000 and increasing. Of those, 13% are started deliberately and 37% are suspicious. That means 31,000 Australian bushfires are either arson or suspected arson every year. And that's not including recklessness and accidents and barbecues and so on. And sure, up to 85 bushfires begin every day because someone leaves their house and decides to start one. Well, it's a sudden phenomenon, you see. Sudden phenomenon, that. Even though certain groups a while back <laughs> talked about causing them deliberately to bring down the West. Uh, but again, I, I have a suspicion that you understand a lot of youngsters have been brainwashed, but again, with using techniques of fear and terror. The world is going to end up in a disaster If people don't stop eating meat And don't stop doing all this terrible farming That's destroying the grasslands and so on And all that kind of... You see, and and they really are radicalised And they might even think they're doing you a favour To get attention on their pet peeves, basically They help things along This is how... This is, these kind sort of things happen, you understand when you radicalize whole armies of young people Also U.S. constructing two new bases in Syria's all-rich region As I mentioned that before And I'll put that up as well Planning two, two military bases in Syria's all rich Dair Daira-ez-Zor province it's, <laughs> it's basically theft, you see This theft Which is what war really is often about at the top and it's covered under righteous indignation and you must go and protect people or take their rights away or whatever for their safety and blah, blah, blah. But it's generally theft behind it by power mad people. And really, that's as far as I've got gotten here because this this hour is just flowing in as usual. I'll, I'll put some articles up and links to the articles on all these smart poles that are going up everywhere for the 5g and i love how they just announce it and they don't ask your opinions on anything they just announce that they're doing it all thousands and thousands of them Where all the, the i know the, the the poles have been used before like like uh, electric poles and so on down highways etc but they're going to put them all through the, the cities and they've got cameras on them too we've had that for years but now they're going to use them all for smart poles, two 5G base stations, and all the rest of it. Just wonderful. Get, if they get fried, our brains will get fried. Or they'll stroke our brains, like technotronics, like Brzezinski talked about, how they could alter our behavior. And that's how it works. It's almost like stroking your brain, and they can make you angry or sad or depressed or, or whatever they want, to, according to the frequencies they'll use on you. Wonderful future, isn't it, for this managed society? And rather than just try to persuade you to do things or threaten you to do things, they can actually make you do things and behave in certain ways. And it's much more efficient. Well, for myself, Alan Watt, from a very frozen Ontario, Canada, because of global warming, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.